It was the summer of 2003, and I just finished two years of seminary formation. One of the friends that I made in the seminary was being ordained for the Archdiocese of Los Angeles. And before he had entered seminary, he had worked in Hollywood. And so at his ordination, I met the actor Jim Caviezel. And Jim Caviezel and I had a great conversation. And I thought that was probably the last time I ever talked to him. And about a week later, I get a phone call from Jim Caviezel. And he, uh, he's like, do you remember me? I'm like, yeah, I remember you. Uh, he's like, uh, we're going to have a screening of The Passion of the Christ. Now, I want you to keep this in mind. This is eight months before it came out in theaters. We're going to have a screening at Mel Gibson's Icon Office Studios in Santa Monica. And I want you to come. It'll just be about less than 20 of us there. And I told him, not really interested. I have other things to do. No, right? That's not what I said to him, right? I went, don't worry. I mean, how could you not go to such an amazing event? And it's one of the most memorable experiences I've had in my life. Jesus tells a parable about a king who is having a wedding banquet for his son. Now, can you think of what would be a more important thing in the kingdom than the son's wedding feast? Now, this image of a wedding banquet is something... Um, that is a theme throughout scriptures. So, um, first of all, you have the idea that God, he, he tells through the prophet Isaiah that I love Israel. I love my people as a husband loves his wife. So there's this nuptial imagery of the way that God loves his people. And also, too, there's this, um, this, these uh, uh, visions of a messianic future in which God is providing, as we heard in our first reading, right, this Rich foods, right? choice wines, this wonderful, uh, wonderful banquet. In this banquet, there's no more death. Every tear is wiped away. And we see this image near the end of the Bible in the book of Revelation. John describes the wedding feast of the Lamb. In Jesus, God has come to marry his people, to join them to himself. And the union of God and man is our salvation and our lasting happiness. And indeed, at the wedding, we're really more than guests because collectively we are the bride of Christ. We have a membership that unites us to Christ and gives us a share in the divine life. So, the king invites the guests to the wedding, and what do they say? Not interested. I've got other things to do. Even some of them mistreat and kill the king's servants. These represent people throughout history, in the Israel's history, and in the history of the new Israel, the history of the church, who have been invited by God into his kingdom, into the wedding banquet, and haven't, haven't accepted that invitation. Now, you're here at Mass. That means you accepted the invitation of the king. In fact, every time that we celebrate the Mass, we are participating in the wedding feast of heaven. But it's not enough to simply show up. You have to come properly dressed. One of my priest friends, uh, we were in a support group, and he had come to a new parish, and one of the things he talked about at Mass was how people should come to Mass. They should dress up a bit, and they should dress modestly, right? So he got some pushback from that. In fact, someone wrote him a letter, and he quoted the letter at the end. The person writing the letter said, there's no dress code in heaven. And you know what I thought of immediately? 
this parable. Actually, yeah, there is a dress code in heaven. In the parable, there's a man who shows up at the wedding feast and he's not properly dressed. That is, he's not wearing the wedding garment. And so he is cast out into the outer darkness where there is wailing and grinding of teeth. Brothers and sisters, this is language that refers to hell. Now, does that mean you go to hell if you don't dress properly at Mass? No. <laughs> There's symbolism here. The wedding garment is a symbol. It's a symbol of love of God and neighbor, of obedience and charity. Our Lord is teaching us it's not enough just to profess faith and join the church, but one must act faithfully so as to enter heaven clothed with those very, with those very good deeds which are in the first place enabled by the grace of God. And why is that so important? Because the very dynamic of heaven is love. If we do not live according to the principle of self-gift which animates the Eucharist, then we will find ourselves in the end incapable of enjoying heaven. Uh, former director of religious education at Good Shepherd Mira Mesa told me a parable that I, I like to share sometimes. It's about, in the parable, there's a woman, she dies, she goes, she meets St. Peter. You know how they all start like that, right? Uh, and St. Peter gives her the good news, that she hasn't been chosen to share eternal life with God and the saints. So, um, but he, he, gives, he makes a strange offer to her. He says, if you want, just out of curiosity, I can show you, I can show you the other place. She said, yeah. So they get into an elevator and they go down to the very bottom and the elevator doors open and what does she see? This huge banquet hall and this massive table and all these people sitting around the table. And on the table are platters and platters of Chinese food. And everyone seated at the table has chopsticks, but not the normal chopsticks that you see, but really long chopsticks, longer than your arm even. And you can only eat the food with the chopsticks. So the people in hell have the food at the end of the chopstick, but they can't get it into their mouth because it's longer than their arms. And so eternally they are unsatisfied. And the woman looks at that scene and thinks how sad it is. So she gets back in the elevator with St. Peter and they go up to the top and the doors open and what does she see? This big banquet hall and there's this huge table and there's all these... People sit around the table, and what's, are the, what's the food? Are the platters and platters of Chinese food. What do they have to eat the Chinese food with? These long chopsticks. But they're all eating as much as they want because they're feeding each other. Right? You see how you can do that? But I love that parable, right? Because it shows the very nature and dynamic of heaven and the kind of people we have to become by the grace of God to enjoy that. We can see ourselves in other characters in the parable. Not just the guests, but in the king's servants who he sends out to invite people to the wedding banquet. He says, go out the main road and invite them wherever you find. When was the last time you invited someone to the banquet of the king's, uh, the king's son of his wedding feast? Anytime we invite people to come to know Jesus Christ, 
we are inviting them to that reality. So when was the last time you invited maybe a family member who hasn't been practicing the faith to come back to confession, to come to Mass? Maybe when was the last time you invited them by sending them, sharing them a video, inspiring video or, uh, or an article about the faith, right? So we, we are his servants. He tells us to go out there and to invite people. Now, if someone refuses the invitation, that's on them. Maybe someone else will invite them later and they might be ready to accept it then. But if we don't invite them, that's on us. Consider carefully who has invited us. Consider the wonderful feast that has been prepared. I mean, we should jump at the opportunity to attend the ultimate VIP event in the universe. It's the best invitation I've ever received. Let's all RSVP yes. And in fact, for the number of our party, let's make that a big number. Don't worry, the host has plenty for all of us.